0: The Live Series, powered by Amicus, with your host, Heather Story. Hello and welcome to the Live Series podcast brought to you by Amicus Recruitments. This is the podcast that gives you insight into the life and role of tech leaders from all over the world. Today, I'm joined by Victor Moreno, Head of Engineering over at the inclusive in app Herb. Thank you so much, Victor, for coming on. How are you?
1: I'm fine. Thank you very much for having me. This is very exciting.
0: Yeah, I've, I've genuinely been really excited. I know when, um, when my, my colleague Jack introduced us before, um I was absolutely psyched um when I found out who you were and what you were working on and your background and everything like that, because um it's actually what we're going to talk about is a subject that we haven't actually really covered before on the podcast, but it is something that I myself are super passionate about, and and, and it's really great to have someone like yourself on to talk about it who is very definitely passionate about um about this. So um for anyone that maybe hasn't heard of her um or yourself, um do you maybe just kind of want to like walk me through your career experience up to now and yeah. give some context on her as well.
1: Yes, of course. So I'm gonna start a bit with myself. So um I started like um, many of us in, in leadership position as a software developer. So I started my career back in Spain in the uh, around 2007 or so um, you know the usual I was like a, a, a nerdy kid I love machines I love computers so that naturally led me to pursue education on that. Um, so I started my career in Spain um, went to uni learned a bunch of things um, tried to work out uh, life in Spain at the time uh, sadly the crisis at the moment at that time was like very bad for everyone so I was like a bit forced to move, so I moved to Ireland where I keep working as a developer, uh, stay in Ireland, then I moved to the Netherlands, uh, just going increasing through the natural path of uh, individual contributor. In the Netherlands, I worked in social media and agency world for a couple of years, and after that, I decided to uh, move to London. Uh, because Netherlands is a great country. It was amazing. Uh, the language barrier was a bit of a always a, a thing, but also I had an, an amazing opportunity uh, to come to work in London in a company uh, that there were at the time 20 people. Uh, so it was part of the very initial um, engineering team. Uh, so I spent uh, four years At that company, as a backend developer, uh, organically as well, get more involvement, keep learning, keep trying things, start to mentor people, start to move towards management. The company went in a growth spur, and then we uh, were all from 20-something when I joined to uh, almost 200 when I left. So I was really involved in those stages as part of the technical, you know, the most Core technical um, member. Um, At some point, there I discovered that working with people actually is as rewarding as working with technology processes. People processes are very, my mind, are very similar as uh, coding processes. You have like a problem you need to solve, and you have to aim for win-win situation, right? So I move, I pivot my career from like being like a senior engineer taking a lot of like, oh, let's do this new thing. Let's try this technology to like, oh, I want to work with people, how I support them, how I mentor them, how I guide them through uh, being like a junior till a senior, right? And <clears throat> from there, I moved um, to um, a company in the travel industry during um, the last bits of lockdowns, COVID lockdowns, as a head of technology, owning like the whole technology function. And from there, I landed at her as a head of engineering where I, as well, uh, we are a startup. I own a lot of the IT um, and the development as the um, final technical stakeholder, right? Uh, that's that's the, the thing. So for who does not know her, so we are a, we are a dating app for uh, queer women. Our mission is to connect every uh, queer women, non-binary, gender folk, uh, trans, um, Questioning women in the world to help them to find love and connection. So that's us. Uh, we have a very hard stance on diversity, inclusion, to generate safe spaces. And the thing that that made me move to to the company. Um, I mean, I would say that that's kudos to Robin, to the CEO, uh, because she has a great a great way of doing things. And I talked with her half an hour. She introduced me to the the company, and I was like, oh damn. I really want to work at, at this company, but not because it's a dating app or because it's technology wise, it's because the mission is a net positive in the world, it's a safe space and it's in within my own community. And I thought like, I can put my skills, I put everything I learned to make my community better. Even if specifically the women community is not my part of the community, the queer community it is right? So I feel really inspired to work on this every day. Give me great joy to talk uh, with people randomly like, oh you work at her. I, I I met my girlfriend or I met my best friend or we I, I start to use it I'm like, oh great, tell me tell me what we can do. What do you think is the best right? Um, it's a very rewarding experience uh, and we love it. We, we want to keep doing it and we are aiming to to put something positive and putting some love out there in the world.
0: Yeah I mean it's I was really excited when I found out about her um, and then even more excited when I found out that you worked at her because um, it was something that I've come across as well um, in, in in my life outside um, and it's and it's definitely something that is it's it's kind of one of those products where you kind of feel like it how is this not already around like because you've got all these kind of like mainstream um, like other kind of queer apps as well, for like like grinder, for example, or things like that. And but there's never really been a predominant one specifically for queer women. So it's such. Mm-hmm. I fully totally agree with you. I think it's such a, an interesting um, and really useful product. And it must be great to feel like you are really contributing to your own community like that. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds really brilliant. So yeah. um, presumably, her has grown a significant amount. Um, mm-hmm. and it's it's it feels like it's definitely a brand that I'm seeing a lot more of kind of everywhere really um, yeah. but presumably you're kind of in charge of, of the hiring sides um, of, of mm-hmm. a lot of it so talk me through kind of how you've been going with hiring what, what's the mm-hmm. process look like for engineering positions as well.
1: Yes so <clears throat> we grow the engineering team so the engineering team are triple in the last year and a half so when I joined Uh, And I joined specifically, part of me joining was like carry on on this uh, engineering growth, right? Um, So our engineering uh, hiring process is not utterly complicated. It's not a convoluted process. There is no hoops to jump through. We have a very straightforward process, right? We have several interviews. The first one is with me that I see with the candidates and I... I introduce the company. I do a conversation like, to understand who they are. Um, then it's, a, it's a, a technical test when someone of my engineers later join to the brief on the test and talk about the presented solution. Um, and then it's like a couple of rounds to meet the team, right? What is different is like um, we we do a lot of what uh, I, I call uh, or the industry call like a value alignment during the the interviews and as being um an app that we pride ourselves in being a safe space one of my guiding like my guiding principles for interviewing is making sure people is in an interview knowing that this is a safe space this is like so it's not a interrogatory i'm not here to <laughs> get a goja or you don't know this or you don't know that right it's a, especially to get to have enough to know them and for them enough to know us about our culture how we operate what our stances in in queerness where we move right and try to get the best engineers um and i have like i have like a very common approach to to hire i really enjoy it i really it's, it's tiring I, I mean when you interview like 20 candidates or 30 candidates in a couple of weeks right or in a, a three weeks it's, it's a tiring process but i really enjoy it um, and the thing is, like, how we make this, um, making sure it's a safe space, right, is with this set of behaviors. So I I, I, w- I will say that I do not uh, signal um, as an openly queer person in my day-to-day life to everyone. I do not hide it. So what I do is I create that space by, for example, using my pronouns that today I haven't. Uh, But they are they are they are are, he him right. I introduce myself like hi, I'm Victor. uh, My pronouns are he him, um, and please use them when you when you talk about it, right? Um, And this is something like super tiny, right? It's like such a very, but it's a it's a signal starting with that, where you are saying like in this space, in this conversation you are having with me, it's safe that you if you are using they them see uh see them hear him it doesn't matter i mean you can use whatever whatever it is and I'm gonna respect it i'm not gonna go and misgender you i'm not gonna go and ask questions about why you use those right i will take them and i will keep using that and that create um a space of um a comfortable space to start to present what we believe i mean it's not a PR tactic is not like a oh, look how good are in diversity. It's really how we operate. Um, <clears throat> more things I do. Um, I believe that leadership is all about uh being useful and, and supportive, right? So usually in my interviews, I always have a space for questions, and I have like a very uh wide transparency policy. I don't believe questions are um uh, not to be asked. I mean it can be whatever it is, from what is the salary bracket that I will tell them gladly to um what do you what do you do in your socials with your team or how how what will happen if I fail my onboarding, right? Um, there is no no limits unless it's legally binding these kind of things that you always <laughs> have to think as a leader. Uh, and I, I made that clear as well that you can ask whatever. Um, and usually conversations goes like the social aspect of it i like to put like a couple of minutes to ask them like how has been your day or because in the past right if you think about office office recruitment you can always start the interview like how was your commute here in london right and people say oh yeah the central line today was like oh my god in the remote it's like how has been your day or you know how was like uh last the weekend so you give a bit of space as well because Recruiting is a very stress stressful process for candidates, and there is no reason to make it more so. Giving that easiness, create that safe space where they can share as much as they like, and I will maybe share back when they are at you Like, oh, it was great. I went to I went to shopping with my husband, and then I came back, and I'm just doing this now, right? Um, so that gives a sense of comfort. It gives a sense of safeness uh, that I think is very good and in- influence a lot the uh, perception that the candidates can get of the company and the culture from the very start. So even if they don't get hired or decide to move on in other things, um, I like to present the things as they are. And this is actually something that we do internally. We talk a lot about ourselves and we talk about what we do and we aim to create the safest space we can at any given moment.
0: Yeah, you've kind of segued segued me perfectly into into kind of the next thing that I wanted to ask you about just because... With 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 a company like her, um, with such strong, such a strong ethos, um, and such a lovely ethos as well, I should add that it's essentially just the point is to make people feel super safe, um, and it's a super friendly kind of environment, and it's and I think that is something that just what you touched on there of making people feel. Safe, kind of instantly as soon as you can within that interview environment is is kind of a, an interviewing skill that's overlooked probably because mm. it's probably like not really at the front of a lot of people's minds to make the candidate feel massively comfortable because you just kind of assume that they're not going to be comfortable. It's an interview, right? But it's yeah. actually if you can actually make them feel a little more comfortable, it's actually really valuable for what you're going to get out of them in that interview as well. I know it's, it sounds kind of obvious, but it's a, it's definitely. Um, not talked about enough all, I don't think um, yeah. so what I was going to ask you there was um, how again her has such strong values like how do you kind of instill how do you communicate those to the candidate in an interview?
1: Yeah I, I walk through them I just make it plain so you have we have our core values right um, that they are like and excuse my language but one of our is like gets it done That it does not mean that we are going to do things wrong it means that as a small Small is a startup. We need to be strategical and effective in doing things, you know, and there is times where you're going to have to roll your sleeves and do things. I do this as much as I can, as where well is needed, right? So I talk to them about it. I explain, uh, gets it done. I explain our value better together. We believe in collaboration. We are a fully distributed company and that has its own challenges itself, like asynchronicity, like time zones. So. For example, uh, my team, my whole team, is in the States and Latin America. So I work these uh, central hours, right? So we need to be really effective in being better together. And it's doesn't mean about the collaboration, but as well the small uh, acts of kindness of like having a coffee over Zoom and talk about things that they are not work to learn about your colleagues. So by collaborating, by talking, by communicating, getting everyone better, and the third, and the third one is um, um, sorry, sorry, that's okay. It's like a, I sorry, I was like, I was like in my mind, um, get it done better together and be real. I was like looking for the word. They became sorry, they came in Spanish.
0: <laughs> ser right. mejor. I would not have but, heard uh, that You could have said it in Spanish.
1: That's alright. <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> be real, right? Uh, so and the be real is what I think in my opinion is probably one of a, of a stronger uh, value because being real, it goes around a lot of things. So from being yourself and probably uh, today, I'm I'm wearing like a, a t-shirt, blue t-shirt with a unicorn on it, right? That Anders, Anders says, it's not a unicorn actually, it's a horse with an ice cream on their forehead. And Anders says like, you can be whatever you want, right? Uh, silly t-shirts is one of my ways of be. I love them. I I love them. I have a lot of them. Uh, and sometimes in 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 the office, uh, in the in the company culture, like the professional culture, this is frowned upon. Uh, I found this in some degrees, even in, in great companies. Uh, but for example, this is one of my ways of being real. I a very serious person when I need to be, but in my day-to-day, I'm towards the more funny and silly things. I'm, I am like to joke, I'm very positive, I'm sometimes extremely optimistic, right? So being real is presenting yourself as you want. In my case, it's like my funny t-shirts when it's summer, my uh, my tank tops with as well with printed funny jokes, uh, being open, talking with people, finding those times to connect, and so on. Uh, I'm presenting myself as well, as I like, right? But also it's about being real with each other when the things are maybe not looking as good. Um, So being able to come and give feedback in a way that is accepted, is consensual, and is constructive, even if the feedback is not good, right? So be real, encompass all these things that when you combine them with better together and gets it done, create a synergy of, I hate that word, so corporate, but I cannot think about it anymore. Create a synergy of a chain effect, right? Because you are trying to do really effective things, trying to innovate, trying to push forward to achieve those missions of love. And then you want to be with your team and be the best team uh, team member. And then you want to be yourself. You don't need to hide it. Literally, you don't need to hide it. I'm, I dyed my hair blue and I didn't tell anyone. I came up to the old hands and everyone were like wow amazing celebrating that is great because it was something I wanted to do forever I never done it because my professional life um, and people in the company do this so being real so this is explained through the uh, interviewing process and as a part of the intro because I like to center the interviews around values especially the ones I do as I do not do the technical ones in depth mines are around values I have a lot of care to who I hire because I need, I, I need and I want people that they are aligned with the value of like, we are um, inclusive place. We are a place where we are uh, not judging people that where mistakes are recognized on and try to and avoid it in the future where we give feedback every week to everyone. You talk with, you're gonna get feedback very respectfully, constructive, good, bad celebrations, right? So that's a way of as well to give a clear image, pointed with the pronounced usage, putting a bit of the social humanize that scary conversation of an interview. Everyone goes to an interview and you never know what to expect, and then it gets exacerbated when the interviewer is not a engineering manager or a, a senior engineer. You are sitting with the head of the head of or the CEO or the COO. Right? It's like the the in, in the in the collective imaginarium is the people at the top and they are like the, the decision makers and they are like boom great right and then suddenly you are interviewing for like a mid-developer position with three years of experience and in your mind you create those stories and those stories only can be disarmed by sharing by opening vulnerability by creating a safe space i
0: absolutely love that um the simple yet really complex point of just humanizing the interview process and just kind of making yourself more approachable in an interview. Um, and yeah, it's just such a valuable thing to be able to do, isn't it? Um, how do you how do you tell like if someone's going to be a decent cultural fit or not?
1: Um it's a it's a it's a very tricky process, right? Because it's um it's a lot um how they share, what they share, what they tell you, obviously the the value alignment. Is very important as well with the skills, right? Uh, with the value alignment, um, what I do is like being like professional and you know appropriate for an interview, talk, discussing the thing we do, uh, asking opinions. And Sometimes I like, you don't mind to share with me. What do you think about this? What do you think about, you know, um, I don't know. What, do you, what are your views on the dating on dating or an in casual dating? Or, you know, I try to work through that and then um, part of the, when you flip it over and to do it like, and this is no secret that I do this. So when you start to go over like, oh, tell me your experience. Tell me, um, give me an example how you work, um, what do you do in your day-to-day during the pandemic uh, time when you were fully remote to keep the connection with people or Tell me about how you like to give feedback and how you like to receive feedback. What do you think is the best useful feedback, right? So from there, I use a struct like I can compose that image about the person I'm talking with is not a perfect science. Uh, I think no one is a perfect value alignment, not even myself, Um, but I think it it hints, right? Um, There is always risk. There is always, you know, um, people. I'm, I try to not be cynical, and I believe that I assume good intentions from everyone. Right? I assume that someone in the interview is not gonna made up a response only because they want to work with us. Um, and then it's a it's a very much like this sense. I think like working and living in this kind of culture, we try to foster also attune you to detect or identify the traits that you think they will be a great addition because that's the thing about culture. uh, Maintaining, uh, we probably would not talk about it, right? But culture is a living thing. It changes organically, unorganically. You can influence, you can direct it, but you cannot say this is the culture and I want this to be forever. That's not going to happen, especially when you have people. People bring their own... Their own ideas, their own opinions, their own world views, their own beliefs. Uh, they bring a lot on the table. So, at the end of the day, it's during interviewing, having these discussions open and not not hide these facts. I I don't. That's why I'm talking about them, right? Uh, and trying to compose that picture of the person you are seeing, like the professional and the and and how are the values, what they consider is important, why they think, why they want to work with her. Um, for example it's a, it's a very good question people is like oh I, I love it I follow the app for years I use the app some of them they sometimes share I'm like okay great that's a great start right um, so it, it's a bit of like intuition with data and just practice
0: <laughs> yeah no I love that as well okay um, I, I love the, that kind of concept of not kind of boxing off your culture like that and and almost encouraging thinking outside the box when it comes to culture and encouraging different kinds of people to come in and share their ideas and encourage that is really important. Um, In terms of, obviously, I know you said that the the team's grown a lot. Um, How, you know, so let's say like you've interviewed, you've got the team, you've kind of, for lack of a better word, judged kind of whether they're a good cultural fit and they've got all the necessary hard skills as well to get them into that role. So now you've got a really flourishing team that team is constantly getting bigger. How do you maintain, I know we just touched on it slightly there, how do you maintain that healthy culture whilst also mm-hmm. people have that kind of independence within their role too?
1: It's um it's a very good question, right? I think um, maintaining culture is like trading water. You, as I said, you can box it, you can try to, but culture is going to evolve. The thing is more, that is more important is how you stop the bad influence on culture, right? Um, how you prevent. But talking about that, we campaign on that. So how we maintain, I believe as well as, as culture is something, as I said, alive. Everyone is part of it. So the way to keep the, you think, let's talk about like mainstream culture at her, right? Is all these things I've been describing. So that mainstream, that stream has like a, a direction. It has evolving in time, change, experiment with it, right? But I think that when you are um, a, a senior leader in an organization and you are committed with like the mission, the values, and the culture, the only way that you can really help to maintain it is living that culture truthfully and just displaying it, displaying how you expect how you want, not expect, expect will be a very harsh word. How you want everyone to maintain this culture? How? I message people, I ask them questions about how they're doing. I, I outside like the work things during work hours, like, hey, how was the other day? You went to this appointment, you told me, or uh, you mentioned that you were doing this, how that went, went. or I saw this thing you've been doing, and it's great. So the thing is, the only way to maintain culture is first of all being living it by and by leaving it with the rest of the company. At the end of the day you cannot be sitting in your ivory tower of like a high level you know like senior manager and say like, oh yeah yeah all of you be better together but my calendar is full don't 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 call me for counsel don't call me for the Friday fields or don't you know it's like you have to be aware of your time and how you allocate but you need to make the space to do that. And that has the effect, right? When you are surrounded by people that they are very uh, alike in the ways of thinking of culture, that instills the example. Because like it or not, when you are like a manager and you are supporting people, you instantly became an example. So your good behaviors will be will be appreciated, and your bad behaviors will be replicated if you have them. So it's important to do that, right? Um, and then is um is that living that being an example, trying the best, and talking about it as well? Talking about hey, I noticed that we haven't done this for a couple of weeks. What 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 is that? Why we are not doing this? We were doing this. What what changed? What happened? Being inquisitive, being a bit like always nurturing that that conversations.
0: Yeah, I love that kind of lead by example kind of etiquette that you said there, like in bad habits get replicated that's again something that i think is is not really thought about too much like specifically like as a leader like it, leading by example is, is is a given i suppose but then mm. you know those kind of you know those sort of bad traits or, or it, i mean no one's perfect but if, if, oh, perfect. if you kind of let them just sort of stream um especially in front of your team or around your team mm. it will 100% make an impact on it and it's and it's really important and i love i love kind of your approach to it as well um I know that obviously it's within a, a community and within a, a product that you genuinely feel passionate about. So it's almost like um it's going to be kind of it sounds like it's coming really easily to you, for lack of a better phrase, to, to really live that culture and breathe that culture, which is really inspiring. Um mm-hmm. so let's like say kind of let's move out of the kind of um queer data and app space and go a little bit more generic. Um, what can other companies kind of do uh, what can they learn from the way that her is kind of either structured or just generally operating um because for me I feel like what the way that you're talking is it's so inclusive and I know that that's in part because it is a product within the, the lgbtq plus community but I feel like the way that you kind of you carry in your culture and the kind of kind of freedom almost that it sounds like you guys all have over there to be able to you know just be yourselves fully like what can other companies learn from that approach?
1: Um it's a very hard question start, yeah. it start, start there right we as you said um we are part of the LGBT community we are LGBTQ um product for LGBTQ people so that give us a very um advantage position to do things slightly different i think that if someone can learn something about us i think one of the one of the very strong processes we have that i think that they are like key in in nurturing this culture is our feedback loops um, at her so feedback loops is something that everyone talks about feedback in the industry i mean you have feedback everywhere i mean as an engineer for everyone that is not a, a software developer or working in an engineering team that they are hearing today. So as an engineer, you get feedback. You get a lot of feedback, specifically technical feedback about your code from your peers, from your manager, from people like, oh, I saw your pull request. That is this code that you open, right? When you finish the work, like, hey, this is my code. Can someone get, take a look and make comments? And people go and say, "Like, oh, that there is actually not the best way because blah, blah, blah. So you get this feedback, right? Um, and companies, they try to have like a strong feedback loops um, but i found the way like um her and and robin Sparehead the feedback loops is really useful in the way that you um as part of the her team uh, any any her team member is getting regular feedback from a lot of people uh, as I said, consensuated. We have a we have our user manuals where we specify how we like to receive feedback. What is the format and how to do it. And we coach people as well to like when you give feedback, do it this way, right? But we have this format. It's like um, I like. So you you got your feedback. What you like in and I wish that frames the feedback really instantly, right? Um, and start a conversation. The, the like is just an appreciation. It's just like hey. Great job. Um, I saw, I give the other day um, a shout out. We have a shout out channel for like things, right? Um, I have a team member that is very good at giving like uh, detailed answers with like a lot of documentation and resources. He's very, very good at it. And every time someone has a question he's available answer. I'm always amazed because he's had so, so much knowledge. He's so good there, right? And I, I give that. So that part will be part of my one-on-one. Where in the one, once I save a space for it, I will be telling them, like, hey, well done. I love, I I like really much that you give this answer and you put these links and then you frame the response in the boundaries of what is needed and really streamline, right? And then you have the I wish. The I wish is a bit, um, it's a bit more abstract because it does not mean necessarily that it's negative feedback because we don't want to do the, um, the sandwich thing right that you put a good feedback and then you put a bad feedback and you finish with a good feedback i think that's the worst way of giving feedback because it's like hold on you are telling me good things but in between the, those two things you are putting really critical feedback very bad one like it's constructive of the structure, right so the i wish is is a way of opening the conversation and that has to come as well especially if it's negative or or not as constructive not as um positive as you would like to give because it's really easy to tell people how well they do their job it's very very hard to tell someone like i saw the other day you and this never happened this is an, an example i made up just for the record like telling someone like ah i saw you the other day that you keep misgendering jane um, and referring her as him you know that's imagine that feedback Imagine sitting someone and telling that them like in, in essence, like you are being very rude. You are being very uh, you know, I don't I don't know which words to use that will that will not uh are not like very very <laughs> non-PG, right? But that's feedback or feedback around performance or feedback about the jobs that they then made done so the, but the thing is like the conversation about it. it's like how you enable the i wish that this task that should have been done by friday were delivered by friday and not by wednesday because this action caused me and someone else have to move the roadmap and we have to do this and my question is like what is stop you from that how i can support you to this is there anything I can do to help you because I have ideas. If you want it, I will give it to you. So that things, that feedback loop that is honest, but is supportive because it's very unfair to tell someone like, oh, I wish that you finish the work on Friday. You know, I have to work uh, Saturday morning. You know, that does not help. If you think that the person (laughs) not delivering on Friday, they don't know, they're going to be feeling very, very bad. And then if you come and it's like, you just, boom, salt in the... On the wound right so it's flipping the i don't like this with the i wish this happened how we make it better next time or how i can support you on this um on this topic and i think it's very crucial to be honest it, it helps me a lot it helps me personally to grow to grow a lot during this year and a half with all the feedback by my team, Robin, um, everyone is giving is giving me, and people that I've been giving feedback for the same thing that that comment you did and these ideas we put together and these action plans we enable and activated, they were working. They they led to an improvement, you know, in whatever um, dimension we are talking about. Yeah, I really love
0: that, and I think that's probably the first time it's ever really. It's crossed my mind so it's the first time I've ever thought about that I love when you brought up about the criticism feedback of kind of sandwiching it in between two good things like that is kind of what you're taught isn't it especially professionally once you enter the professional world mm-hmm. it's how your teachers feedback to you at school it's how kind of yeah. you know it's how it, you're taught to feedback to team members and things but you are right I think it, it's it's pretty indirect yeah um, I. And it's not very proficient really I would say like
1: you know, um, it has like, a, it has a name, that has a name, that practice of feedback is called the, I'm going to use a, not a, a bad word, but it's the poo sandwich. Yeah. I put you two slices of bread and I put a, a portion of poo in the middle, right? To yeah. With the hope that you take the good parts and we skip over the, the middle one because it's hard. It's really hard to be in on top of on top of all the things people do that affect negatively and then tell them because... If it's work-related, like a missing deadline, that can be rooted in a lot of things, right? But what do you do when it's behavioral? What do you do when it's someone that actually developed or pick up a behavior that you, as a as their manager, as their coach, don't find acceptable because it does not align with first, like, for example, if, if it's a bad behavior, whatever it is, right? Uh, from being rude to being loud at the office uh, for no reason. Uh, I can think a million things, right? So how you face that, because you are talking, you are not talking about something you can teach as a hard skill. It's it's very important to be supportive and try to understand as well the the problem of it. That I think is that, that I wish, it because it flips the perspective. It's not like, hey, you are doing this wrong, and it's wrong because i say so it's like hey i wish that you have not done that because this has this effect on me or have this effect on people and i'm here to tell you and see how we can change it because this is the effect of your actions or your work or your words are having in me and then you put that right and then it can be a discussion it can be perfectly a misunderstanding sometimes it's like oh sorry someone said oh i said this but actually is the thing and this is what i was thinking about and you go through that conversation that is a growth conversation for the good of the bad because no one is perfect and no one gives feedback like accurate all the time you can get things wrong and that's fine but the important thing is talking about it to break those stories as well because it's the stories in your head right if someone said something that you don't you misunderstood understand The story in your head is like, oh, this person is saying this. What else they are saying? Or what did they say that you keep that story in your head? And those stories goes and goes and goes and goes until you put them in the open with the other person and you close the gap to see what part of the story is actually true, what was like your mind just spiraling with like humans do, right? Uh, I think that's the key of it, like the framing of it, the, the way of the regularity of it, being used to it, not being feeling um, ambushed by feedback not feeling um vulnerable or in a disadvantaged position because a, a manager is giving you feedback right
0: yeah i absolutely love that but the, the kind of the approach to just that's it's such a simple flip to kind of give someone essentially well whether it's negative feedback or something a little bit sterner let's say um just saying like i wish like that is literally such a simple thing to do but you're essentially opening the door to such a much more mature conversation and it's going to be a conversation it's not just going to be a manager making someone feel like crap and then kind of moving along with the rest of their day like you're gonna Mm -hmm. you you know you're showing that person at the same time just by doing that that you actually value what is going on with them and then you want to figure out a solution instead of just bringing it to attention and then moving on and hoping that they kind of get the picture like you actually want to find out um and then also like if you're saying like i wish because like you said it's letting them know that like it's affected you then you're putting the responsibility on them to change it without just saying change it like it's like if you really care like if you really want this team to work if you want to you know be productive for the company like you're gonna you would change this Mm. because it's affecting those around you like it's not just about you misbehaving it's everybody else's kind of priority to work and it's such it's such an intelligent thing um so that well that kind of nicely segues me into my kind of penultimate question um in terms of in terms of the the wider spectrum of tech um it's a such a huge industry so this might be a little of a vague question um but whose responsibility is it i know obviously you're very obviously doing a really great job as a leader at her to to really drive inclusivity and her generally as a brand sounds like it's really kind of pioneering inclusivity within tech. What can other tech companies be doing and whose responsibility is it um, in terms of, let's say, like the the devs on the team specifically or managers or CTOs or CEOs um, or founders from the the get-go? Whose kind of responsibility is it, would you say, to kind of, keep the ball rolling with inclusivity within tech
1: i believe that um everyone is in some degree responsible but in this specific question the burden falls into the the leadership um you know the leadership of companies um and this is because i mean the devs the devs as well they have a big responsibility you cannot is the problem of of this right you cannot leverage inclusivity if you are focusing on a small segment of people doing it and then just getting the rest not doing so everyone is responsible so how is the question like what is the level of responsibility of those people right as a someone in a, in a manager position right in a leadership position I have uh, I have a responsibility to make sure that I promote inclusion inclusion and diversity and equity right to be in to create opportunities but also the devs the devs uh content marketing growth whatever it is they have the responsibility as well because i can be all the inclusive i want you know or i can be all inclusive i can be but if that does not trickle down or the company and not trickle down actually that the company is not supporting that inclusivity from the uh from the rest of the of the verticals in the in the business inclusivity will fail because you will increase inclusivity in the hiring pipeline you will have more women more people of color more uh, neurodivergent uh, persons coming through and then they will find that actually the environment is not good for them because the rest of the team is not inclusive so it's important that this uh, responsibility falls through all of us of us you know in different measures in different uh, aspects but at the end of the day, if you, for example, have um, have hired someone that has uh, is neurodivergent, they are in, spe- in the spectrum, right? Um, you do the interview process. You will adjust the interview process for them, obviously. And if you are not doing that, that you can you can get that learning. Just ask the people if they want to if they want to disclose and make sure you do things right. But then you have to make sure that. Uh, you cannot go the team and announce the people that, hey, we hired someone neurodivergent, you know, it's like, let's make our best. But the team needs to care enough to get to know this person, you know, to be able to be inclusive with them, that do not treat the the, the difference and the diversity as something that has to be slot in in a place that it does not fit. It's more of creating the space for them to fit in as they as they want you know in within obviously their the professional role but as a person and it's again back to the humanizing everything um companies are companies I this a lot we, companies need to um, make money because everyone needs to be paid you know we 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 do this i mean we charge our product so we can keep doing it so we can do new things, we can hire new people we can create employment we can support uh the community but that dehumanize a lot when you talk about business. So the inclusive approach, I think, is a, is a mere question of humanity. You know, the responsibility I have with inclusion, it will be higher. And it has to be measured with a higher standard, probably, in terms of like because I'm in the front door telling people yes or no, that you enter, you don't, you don't, you don't, not right. But the team has the responsibility as well, with myself there being an example of making sure that inclusion is actually Enabled and is supported. That is not. Oh, let's hire people of color because we don't have people of color. And I saw that. I saw that happen. And then the people of color felt isolated because there is no community. There is no support. People majority majority of white people in a company were like, well, I mean, you you know, they he went from questioning their abilities, their technical abilities, um, to plainly like not talking with them and then feeling incredibly isolated and that's why that connection between like the inclusion uh, you want to achieve as a leader and the team being on board with it it was not happening they were like mm, you know we don't know what to do you, you look different you, you you talk different you work differently it's just like we we don't know so there is a lot of, of nuances but at the end of the day it's everyone it's just making make sure that it's aligned and it's consistent. So from the day to day to the more high level process, it needs to be a consistent approach owned, owned, in the different parts by the right people.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's definitely an element of kind of educating yourself, isn't it? Because you kind of need, even if you don't feel like you have a certain amount of community like you were just saying there and you you hire someone who doesn't look like someone who well that's the rest of the company for example they are not going to get that sense of community whatsoever and and if it's not already there it's up to you to educate yourself to kind of just create it even without members of certain communities or etc it's up to you to educate yourself um and create that within your existing team so that when someone does come in it's not going to be just a case that you're not going to retain them at the end of the day like um, yeah. isn't
1: yeah. And in the topic of responsibility, right, very briefly, it's like the responsibility of fixing the inclusion is on the leads, it's on the leaders of the company. Um, my partner, my husband is Vietnamese, so I've seen this in action. i seen a very, uh, like how he felt like uh, in the UK, for example, in several companies he worked for in marketing, and he didn't feel represented in the company because it was like one Asian person and the rest of the team, they were like British or European and where people were like welcoming and nice. Were, it was nothing nasty, but it was at times he was like, oh, they were asking me about this and it's, they made an assumption because I'm Asian and they expect that I was, you know, uh, from a certain country where I'm not. And they, instead of asking, you know, they the assumption is like because the incl- inclusion problems run actually not in the big thing. It's very rare to see hostility or plain racism but is the microaggressions right and it's like the the responsibility of the leader is identifying those knowing where they can happen and educate as you mentioned that's a very good point like educate everyone yourself include and you're first so you you do the work you walk the walk you know and then you go to the team it's like oh we are gonna with everyone we are going to talk about this and it's not need to be like oh read this book about being inclusive and don't do microaggressions and it's like we are going to learn about these things and we are going to talk about this topic what do you think about this right there is a way of educating that does not feel uh, unorganic and this is like all these things it's a, of, it's a lot of we can talk we can talk about
0: hours <laughs> about this topic sorry no it's fine and, I, and I'd, lo- I'd love to do that to be honest um, I think the bringing up the the those especially the, the, the micro almost kind of that you would think that it, there's a defense almost isn't there of like oh well it was an accident and I, you know you, you don't kind of think that mm-hmm. it's going to affect them or and it's just like you said assumptions um that people probably don't even realize that they're making mm-hmm. um yeah if it's brought up to you then you have to change that there is no defending That by being like, oh, I'm sorry, it was just an accident. Like, I won't assume. Now I know, so like, there's no brushing it off. Like, you have to change that about yourself, Um, Mm -hmm. and then other people will follow suit as well. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a full episode in its own. So um, I'd love to get you, love to get you back on, um, and see how hers doing, um, and down the line. Um, So I've just got got one more question for you, Victor, um, and that is, uh, what what advice would you have for someone who's who's looking to be in a similar position to you?
1: I think the advice I have is um, be as human as possible. Don't be afraid of saying like, uh, I don't know this or uh, or today I'm not going to work because I'm not feeling great. I think like if you want to be an effective leader, you need to be overall human. You need to be approachable and you need to be sincere uh, with yourself and with everyone around yourself. Um, and for that, you need to take the steps of taking care of yourself. Um, my views on leadership, as I mentioned, they are not like, oh, I'm telling people what to do, because that's nonsense. I hire really intelligent people, really skilled, skilled people with a lot of experience to do something I cannot, right? Why will I be telling them, oh, do this now, do this that, right? It's that's not the point of leadership. The point of leadership is bridging the gaps between like how the people executing over the plan. How they can learn about the wider things, right? Telling, telling the story, where the strategy is going. What are your ideas as a leader? Like, oh, I want to, I want to do this, this by the end of the year, or I want to change this technology that I identify is not working very well for us, right? It's gap in those parts, but for that, you are gonna be a support. You are gonna be as a pilot. You have to think yourself as uh as a pilot, a supporter, not a a tyrant. I mean. You can be a tyrant sometimes. Everyone falls for it. It's not the end of the world. It's just like being a tyrant does not work. And we know, okay? But as sometimes you will have to say and make the hard decision of like, I cannot let them to find this solution or or go with this because many reasons say like, oh, we are going to be doing this. But there is a difference between being, uh, falling for the tyrant and saying like, oh, no, no, we are doing this because I say so as being human and explain the things, right? Being human, tell them like, look, we have to do this. And these are the reasons. Um at the end of the day, being human, take care of your teams, take care of forming those relationships that will enable you as a person and as a leader to be successful and be honest and take care of yourself. Um, this is a hard job. Everyone, uh, Everyone wants to be like the boss. Um, everyone wants to be and it's admirable and it's really, I will encourage everyone to pursue it and work towards their goal, right? Uh what we usually miss when we are like in our like early years, and I realized this a couple of years back, is like actually you 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 have a story in your head, right? That the the CTO is not is not in the office every day and he's in a talk and he's doing this, but it's it's a toll on it, it's a different toll. It's not like a less work, it's actually probably more work, uh, but it's extremely, extremely rewarding. I mean, as as it was like building building stuff technically. Uh, but the difference is like with people, you form as well like a, a, a stronger bond that it done well, you are getting friends, you are getting connections. And, you know, it's rewarding in a very personal level as well. So...
0: What amazing advice, especially the the humanizing yourself, and there is a difference, you're right, between just being a tyrant and and you know just being able to utilize your authority to make a good decision. Um, I think that's that's just perfect advice. I've I'm genuinely really, really like. I know I said at the beginning I was really excited for to 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 learn about this subject and to talk with someone with such good experience and such involvement in the community as well. Um, I know you're speaking at Pride Tech uh, next month as well. So I'm, I'm definitely yeah. going to be trying to get down to that. And 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 yeah, there's definitely um, more, 100% more focus on the LGBTQ and, and, and diverse yes. inclusion within tech. Um, and it's, it's really exciting where things are going, I think, and people like yourself are obviously um, kind of spearhead in that kind of thing. So it's really good to see. Um, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's been lovely.
1: Thank you very much for having me. And I hope I see you at Pride in Tech. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that'd be wicked. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, you can hover over the logo in the corner and hit subscribe. Um, follow us on all the socials. They're all there down in the comments. Head to our website, amicusjobs.com for uh, all the roles and uh, all the other podcast episodes too. They're all out there. Um, there's some really cool ones um, that we've done so far on kind of being a woman in tech and some diversity ones as well. So if you're interested in this episode, then it's likely you might be interested in those as well. So I'll drop a link down to them too. Um, Victor, thank you again so much. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you very much.